when this idea was conceived, initially you were going to preach midweek, and uh, and, I, and you were going to preach this right, song. And I I proposed yeah. the idea, and when I said it, you you looked like a, a puppy who <laughs> somebody who had just taken his treat away. <laughs> Yeah. You know, yes. I, yes. I recall looking at you, going, "Oh, you get to do that." <laughs> and so I knew in that moment that we had to switch places. Welcome to Christ in All Things, a conversation about meaning and purpose. It's based on a Bible verse, Colossians one seventeen, which says, "Christ is before all things, and in Him all things hold together." Christ in All Things is a listening ear into conversations about receiving and giving the love and hope of Christ. And these conversations, they are an invitation. Because as you'll hear, and as much as we enjoy having them, digital media operates from a distance. And that is not what's best for us, with God, or with one another. So, thanks for listening. And if you're in the neighborhood, we invite you to participate in person in the life that finds its epicenter at St. Paul's Lutheran Church, 210 East Pleasant Street in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. Welcome to Christ in All Things. I am Pastor Lance O'Donnell. I am Pastor Jason Schockman. And we're here to give you all a 2023 Lenten preview. Pastor Schockman, tell us what Lent is and then get us started with what's going on on Sundays. Okay. Uh, Lent is a 40-day season of repentance as we prepare to mark the, the suffering, death, and resurrection of Christ uh, from Monday, Thursday through the Easter Sunday. Uh, but those 40 days, oddly enough, don't include the Sundays. And so the Sundays in Lent are in the Lenten season, but the Sundays themselves are not of the Lenten season, which for really good theological nerds like us, uh, you actually see reflected in the names of those Sundays, that they are the second Sunday in Lent or the, the fourth Sunday in Lent, as opposed to in Advent, right? it's the first Sunday of Advent because that Sunday belongs to the season, whereas the Sundays in Lent don't, uh, in, in part because in this season of repentance, we still, we still confess and believe that every Sunday is a little Easter. Yep. Right? And, and, and the celebration of the Lord's Supper as we gather on the Lord's Day, uh, while we confess our sins, it is still a receiving of Christ and the joy of salvation uh, that he restores in us. Uh, and so Sundays are, are they're in Lent as a part of Lent, but they're not of Lent. And so and Lent begins with Ash Wednesday. And I want I want to read the 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 pastoral introduction to um, in the liturgy for Ash Wednesday. It goes like it goes like this. Dear brothers and sisters of our Lord Jesus Christ. On this day, the church begins a holy season of prayerful and penitential reflection. Our attention is especially directed to the holy sufferings and death of our Lord Jesus Christ. From ancient times, the season of Lent has been kept as a time of special devotion, self-denial, 
and humble repentance born of a faithful heart that dwells confidently on his word and draws from it life and hope. Ash Wednesday, if you don't know, if you don't know as a listener, is often associated, and rightly so, with a pretty important, very physical, tangible tradition. Tell us about that. Sign of repentance, if you will. Yep. Uh, and so fr- from, from long ago, right, the church has had the custom of marking the penitent with a sign of a cross on their forehead in ashes. Uh, and the remembrance there that, that is spoken by the pastor uh, is more than a remembrance. It is actually God's word to us, uh, saying, remember you are dust, and to dust you shall return. From Genesis 3, if I recall rightly. Correct. There's some you know word spoken to Adam, whose name happens to mean dirt, uh, that you are dirt, and to dirt you will return, because this is the effect of sin on God's creation. It's our fault. Uh, and so we are marking on Ash Wednesday our need not just for repentance, but for redemption. And that sign of the cross is a present reminder, uh, very physically laid on us, on the finger or thumb of the pastor, um, and with God's word spoken to us uh, as, a, as a sign, as a, as a remembrance, as a, uh, not a sacrament, right? But as a, as a way to mark the beginning of this season that, that really is all about the redemption of our bodies. Indeed, which we're going to talk a lot about today. Let's, well, and for the Lenten season. And, and for the Lenten season. So let's go back to talk about the Sundays in Lent. Sure. And then we'll talk about what we're going to be teaching. When it's not Sunday? And the midweek especially, but when it's not Sunday, we're going to talk about the, the Bible studies, sermons, and other stuff. Yeah. So this, this Lenten season, you're preaching on the Lord's Day. Right. In, in, a, in a series called... The song goes on. And so what are you going to be doing? Well, I'm going to be looking at different hymns that we either are very familiar with or maybe aren't very familiar with, but are marvelous. Uh, and, and connecting those hymns then back to the ancient songs of the church, the Psalms of the church uh, or, or the scripture, right? And, and to be able to make a connection between this, this is the ancient song of, of the people of God in the Psalms. And, and here's this connection to this song that we sing now as we look forward to Christ fulfilling his promises and as we receive even now those promises delivered. I'm forgetting the title of the book, uh, but we, we not long ago in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, published a companion to the hymns that explains where all these hymns come from. And that, you know, there, there are often some really fascinating and enlightening stories behind these hymns. Yeah. Uh, I'll be, yeah, I I imagine you'll talk a little bit of that along the way. Mostly we're going to do theology, but well, yeah, uh, but mostly we're going to proclaim Christ and him crucified for your forgiveness and and resurrection. Right. Yeah. Mostly. (laughs) But, but there, but there's a, there's, there's some marvelous stories along the Mm -hmm. way. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, 
I'm not I'm not certain how deep I'm going to go into the stories behind this behind the hymns, but I know there's at least one or two where the story is is pretty important for uh, the the grasping of the depth of the text, uh, or, or rather, it helps. Yeah, I'm and I'm looking I'm looking forward to this because hymns are hymns are are poetry. Yeah, set to music and good good poetry takes big things and makes them and and simplifies and, and condenses and a lot can be said uh yeah. in in just a, in just a few words and so it's going to be an interesting challenge for for you for you uh well i mean it's a challenge for anybody's preaching that's yeah. you know i'm not picking on you yeah no no uh, it's it's a, but I, I was sitting here thinking, of course it's a challenge for me to be brief when there's a ton to say, when there's a ton of theology packed in just a few short verses. Oh, man, uh, I remember one Good Friday where on Good Friday uh, I had the meditation during the service, the homily, and I used stricken, smitten, and afflicted as kind of my sermon text, right, and made connection back to Scripture along the way. But basically read the text of that hymn as as a as a poem as a message not as a a hymn in a meter that we were going to sing right and like i remember i i think back to that one and i remember just being emotionally drained at the end of it um come to find out that that sermon was like 32 minutes yeah, so we're we're. I'm not doing we're, that. We're not planning. We're not. We're not. You know, yeah, I'm not so, doing in, that on Sunday mornings. In some in some circles, that would be short. That would be short or just fine. Yeah, but yeah. Generally speaking, in our yeah. circles, we you know we get we're more towards 15 minutes or something. That's not the here or there. The right. the bi- the bigger issue is we have this these wonderful these wonderful Lenten hymns mm-hmm. that we're going to sing. And you're going to explain the biblical theology behind them as you as you proclaim God's word to people. There is there is something, you know, and again Luther says this, and he's not kidding. And I think he's dead nails on. Next to theology, music is the greatest gift of God. Yeah. And, and so when when you combine God's word with a with a beautiful musical text. Yeah. Uh, then you have you have something that sings to our soul. Yeah. That sticks to it. Yeah. And and I know we we originally when this idea was conceived initially you were going to preach midweek, and uh, and, I, and you were going to preach this right, song. And I I proposed yeah. the idea, and when I said it, you you looked like a, a puppy who <laughs> somebody who just taken his treat away. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Yes. I recall looking at you, going, "Oh, you get to do that." (laughs) And so I knew in that moment that we had to switch places because that is so much in your sweet spot. Oh, yeah, it is. It is. So that and and I'm looking forward to it. I really am. Uh, At the same time, uh, you you get you have this wonderful opportunity Mm -hmm. then in the midweeks to explore uh, something that's maybe not as historically textual, but but relevantly textual mm-hmm. uh, and dig into uh, some, some biblical, some solid theological teaching about issues that we in our society are confronting every single day. Uh, 
whether we like it or not. That is summarized by the theology of the body. And yeah. so before we get into talking about theology of the body, there is, this is a Lent preview. Yeah. So there's, there's an ancient tradition that we're drawing upon here of there's an ancient tradition as people prepared to become members, to be, you know, to be part of what was ancient and called the ancient world, the catechumenate. Yeah. This last period, this Lent was an intense period of fasting and teaching yeah. as people were being prepared to be welcomed into the, the eternal fellowship of participation yeah. in the Lord's supper. And, and, and that happened for the first time for them Monday, Thursday, Mm -hmm. Uh, the church would gather again on Friday to mark uh, the the death of Jesus. The death of Jesus. And then, uh, historically, the church gathered on Saturday. Night. Night, right? And and in in what could have been about a three-hour service where they would not only rehearse the salvation story throughout all, Old Testament into the New Testament, but they would also have baptisms and people that had been preparing to join the church by instruction would be received as new members or if they weren't baptized, right? Uh, and and then, then uh, we would have the Lord's Supper again and recount the, the victory that was nigh approaching at dawn, right, or, or as, at midnight as the day changed to the next uh, in what, what is known as the Easter Vigil. Uh, and then we would have the sunrise service Easter morning and the, the, all, the gathering and of the all Lord's that, Day and all, all that, that jazz, right? Um, and so we're, we're doing that again. We are doing that again this year. We're, we're not having a three-hour Easter Vigil. It'll yeah. We will have a we will have an Easter vigil indeed on Saturday evening. But the the tradition of an intense teaching of the faith during the time of Lent we main, we maintain. Yeah. And this year that teachings centers on what is what is called the theology of the body. Yeah. And that that terminology in modern it it's as ancient as the scriptures themselves. But it in in the modern world, it was it first it first receives its kind of prominence by writings of the late Pope John Paul II. And so, for those of you Lutherans listening, don't freak out. Right? We're we're not we're not going back to Rome. But you know, and it's interesting because if you read John Paul II's um, "Man and Woman, He Created Them," or what I would recommend if you're interested in, in this, I, I will recommend a primary text to understand this mm-hmm. and then some, yeah, a second, this, the primary text to understand all this is the Bible is Indeed. to op- is to open the scriptures and see how God talks about who he is and who we are and who we are in relationship to him. Indeed. That's the primary text. The, 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 the chief secondary text or source that we're going to use is is a wonderful new book by one of our one of our favorite theologians and arguably one of one of the most remarkable men that I've that I've ever met as humble as he is Australian theologian Dr. John Kleinig and he wrote a book published this last year called Wonderfully Made a Protestant 
theology of the body that is in many respects more comprehensive than than the than the papal instruction under this but john paul wrote this in it, it has its roots in when he was um, if i remember archbishop of Krakow in poland uh, originally he was born carol Wojtyla, and he recognized this the advent of the sexual revolution and what that was doing to families and he starts thinking deeply about it and and basically writes a book and then to his surprise and pretty much everybody else's he gets elected to be pope and so this polish man ends up in rome and so rather than publishing the book as i understand it he ends up he ends up delivering the teaching over the course of two or three years hmm. in weekly in weekly audiences John Paul's teaching on the theology of the body gets summarized and mediated to the English-speaking world, mostly by means of a, of a man named Dr. Christopher West. Yeah. And this is where we, we first in, uh, probably first encountered this at a pastor's conference a few years, a few years ago. Yeah. There were some Lutheran colleagues of, eyes, or of ours who, who had been introduced to this and found it so helpful for their pastoral theology and Dr. West's book is is called Our Bodies Tell God's Story. Yeah. And that was kind of our entrance into this and and then to talk about it. I'm going to continue the conversation here with a a quotation from Psalm 139 that is in Dr. Kleinig's book and then use the prayer that he suggests. This is Psalm 139 verses 13 and 14, which happens to be by the way St. Paul's theme for this school year, 2022-2023 church and school year. You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. And then there's this prayer a little later on in the book. Almighty God, I thank you that you sustain me and all creatures by your life-giving breath and deliver me from death through Jesus, the word of life. Protect me from all evil so that I may serve you in all that I do and please you in my daily life. Into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all that I possess and all those who are dear to me. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. You're thinking it's well. It's it's beautiful. Uh, I'm thinking, what a, what a joy it is for for me uh, that you are preaching the midweek services <laughs> because that means I get to be the liturgist at oh. the midweek services, and while our midday service will have a, a very simple liturgy. Um, that it will include some psalmody that we'll sing together. Our evening service, uh, we're planning to use the order of Compline, which if you're unfamiliar with the order of Compline, it's one of the orders of the day uh, from the monastic life. Uh, but it is a beautiful prayer at the close of the day. A, a, su- a beautifully sung yes. order, for, order for prayer designed for the end of the day. Yes, in which we sing, Into your hands, O Lord, I commend my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, God of truth. Into your hands I commend my spirit. Uh, and so 
all of this, you know, this talk about about the body and uh, reading from Psalm 139 and that we, we are wonderfully made and my soul knows it full well, right? Uh, I, I see it reflected in that order of compline, which again, uh, I'm so glad that we get to sing it this, this year for Lent. Cause you, yeah. Cause you get to do it. Yeah. yeah. This Dr. Dr. Kleinig's approach to this, as we said, is a bit more comprehensive than in, and that may astonish those who are familiar with this, but it's a bit more comprehensive than John Paul's approach. And John Paul f- focuses especially on what what these theologians call the spousal body, that throughout the scriptures from beginning to end, God refers to himself as the great heavenly husband or bridegroom and his people as the bride, as yeah. chur- the church, as the as the bride or or wife, and and that is the primary metaphor by by which you know we understand who we we are made, designed for communion with God yeah. and and with one another. Just just as Eve was made or designed uh, for communion with her husband, and he with her, and he with her, and they with God. Right. Uh, and so what a beautiful thing it is in Genesis when God creates Eve and uh, seals up the place in Adam's side with flesh. And then and then uh, it's not like God puts Eve in the garden and waits for Adam to find her. Right. He presents her to him. He, here is the one that is fit for you. Here is the one that is chosen for you, made for you. Uh, and, and his response is at last, at last. Right? And this is, this is our creator speaking to his people, to his church, saying at last, right? In the consummation of all things, when Christ returns, at last. So w- why this struck me, and I'll let you either echo it or take your own take on it. But sure. Why th- this teaching s- struck me initially when we received it is I picked up on something that, and I'm going to read something that Dr. Kleinig wrote in, in his book, Wonderfully Made, that is published by Lexham Press. Um, he, he calls to mind in the, intro- intro- in, in the introduction to Wonderfully Made, in the introduction is, is entitled Body Matters, and he talked about this Christian journalist uh, in Australia that uh, addressed a conference for pastors, and his topic was how best to communicate the Christian faith and the Christian worldview. And he observed that Christians often reinforced their contempt for Christianity by attacking public immorality and lobbying politicians to impose Christian morality on the whole of society. And that project has largely failed. Christians ended up being portrayed, as he says, angry, self-righteous killjoys. In in contrast with that rather self-righteous, censorious stance, he advocated, this journalist, a positive approach that was neither naively optimistic or cynically pessimistic. And Pastor Shackman, I've been serving 
in a church with a school since 2009, and it's now 2023. And this kind of resonated really deeply with me that a lot of what our kids, Christian kids, hear or what other people hear from Christians is, is a lot of no, right? Don't do this. There's, there's just a lot of yeah law. Yeah. No. Yeah. And, you know, just keep your pants on and, <laughs> and, right. and you know, and don't do that. Yeah. And there's, there's a place for that, but, but the law is, is not the primary work of God. It's the, you know, it's, it's the alien. We, we, we are, we're, our bodies, the scriptures are clear. Our bodies are beautiful. And the sexual act between a man and a woman in the context in which God designed it is beautiful yeah. and holy yeah. and sacred. And, you know, we, our culture is, is awash in, the worship of sex. The opposite of that? In, in, in the which, worship of which, sex. Which actually, oh, which actually, in effect, defiles it. In it, what? Because it does. It turns the act of sex, or the act of intimacy between a man and a woman, it turns that into an idol. That, a false god. A false god, which defiles this holy thing that God has given us. So, no wonder we talk about it the way that we do. So doc, Dr. Kleinig's project in Wonderfully Made. Yeah. And the project, if I may call it that, of the, the whole theology of the body is rather than to be a part of no, it just a party of no, is to uphold what is beautiful. And this is, this is the way Dr. Kleinig puts it in chapter one. He says, it is better to light a candle then curse the darkness. The negative, somewhat distorted vision of the body needs to be countered by a positive, rightly ordered vision of it in its beauty, no matter how flawed our bodies may be. And then he quotes Philippians 4, verse 8. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is chaste, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, Think about these things. And that's what he says he wants to do. And the very next line of that verse is, and the God of peace will be with you. That's right. That that's glorious. And so what we're going to do during Lent in, in the midweek, the midweek services are intended to be relatively brief introductions to the beauty that God created. We're going to, we're going to, we are going to light a candle. Now it is yeah, Lent. Right. And we're also going to call ourselves to repentance, but we are going to light a candle yeah. on what is good and true and beautiful. And during the, the Sundays in Lent, the adult Bible study will be preparatory for that Wednesday. So yep. we'll, we'll look at Sunday, some texts that help us get it ready for the Wednesday that's coming. And I will also offer that class again on Wednesday nights after the service. So our, our after the evening service, right. I should say. So we'll do 
a, I'm calling this the glorious body rather nice. than wonderfully made yeah. because um, it's a, we're going to do things a little bit different yeah. and, and I don't have permission to use all this stuff from Dr. Kleinick. Right. So I'm calling it the glorious body, but on, on the Sunday, so beginning Sunday, the 19th of April or mm -hmm. the 19th of, of February, excuse yeah. me, in 2023 at the uh, life application Bible study at nine fifteen on Sunday morning, we will look at the text coming up for that Wednesday. And that happens to be Ash Wednesday. Yeah. And then I'll do the same study that evening after the service, after the evening service. So the midday service is designed to occur during the lunch hour and try and get you in and out in 30 to 35 hour. minutes. Yeah. So that's from 1215 to roughly 1245. The evening service is at 630 PM and that has all this beautiful music and, mm. but the same message that will be done the midday. Yeah. midday. And so our, our new habit of word on Wednesday mm -hmm. will continue in Lent uh, we, we just recently wrapped up a section of Lutheran Basics, uh, and then you're going to do the Word on Wednesday, the Glorious Body, mm -hmm. uh, and then when Lent is over. Right, after uh, Easter. Yeah, and come back to Word on Wednesday with potentially, probably, another round of Lutheran Basics. Yeah, um, I'm, also, I'm also writing, in the process right now, of writing daily devotions yeah, for Lent, yeah. and, and so that reflect all of this and that really reflect the outline and without using the exact same words all the way, but we're reflecting the outline of Dr. of Dr. Kleinig's book. So I'm also intending, so help me God, to have a whole Lenten devotion available for people within a couple of weeks here. And if I can get to re audio recording for that, I'll do it, but I will, we'll just have to see, you know, if, if we can get that, we can, but yeah. we're going to try yeah. We're going to try and publish uh, these these daily devotions. So you'll have um, Bible Bible studies, midweek services, midweek Bible studies, daily devotions, daily devotions related to the our glorious body, in which we are going to deal with a lot of the issues related to the body before us. Yeah, and but attempt not to dwell on the negative, but to light a candle on what is good and true and beautiful. And when we break from the fast of Lent. On the Lord's Day, we're going to sing and reflect on the glorious songs songs of God. And yeah. so join us this Lent. Thanks for being with us on Christ in All Things. For show notes and other information about this or other episodes of Christ in All Things, visit ChristInAllThings.org. Comments may be emailed to comments at christinallthings.org. To support Christ in All Things, click the donate page at either christinallthings.org or splco.org. In thanks for a one-time gift of $100 or more, you receive a pair of nerdy blue light blocking glasses with the Christ in All Things logo on them. Pastor Shockman loves these. That is so not true. Patrons who subscribe for a monthly gift of $20 or more will have early access to the show and receive some on-air clapping, as well as a pair of Wisconsin-made Christ in All Things hiking socks. Gifts of $1,000 or more will receive thunderous on-air clapping <laughs> and a word of thanks, plus a handmade leather Christ in All Things folio by the Murdy Creative Company. For a gift of $10,000 or more, we will go bleeping bananas. 
do a happy dance, and take the show on the road to your home or wherever it is you'd like to fly us to record with you. All post-production surplus supports youth ministry at St. Paul's. Thank you for your support. Christ in All Things is a production of St. Paul's Lutheran Church, 210 East Pleasant Street, Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. For more information about St. Paul's, visit splco.org, email us at info at splco.org, or call us at 262-567-5001. Intro, outro music, setting by Joseph Hurl, copyright 1998, Concordia Publishing House, used with permission.